manner of communications are these that ye have one to another? As ye walk and us sat. Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known of the things which are come to pass there in these days? What things? Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. In the midst of pain caused by problems or loss, the confusion makes it difficult at times to see God, even when he's right in front of us. Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Father, we offer thanks for thy bounties. Amen. Amen. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? We must return to Jerusalem this very hour. It's good to be back home. Amen. And as I come here, I see many new faces. That is a good sign. Amen. Thank you for coming to the house of the Lord this morning. I was really glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen, amen. I'm going to start with this. Work fun has treated me with royalty. And he says, what is this guy saying? Listen, guys, I want to report your pastors to you that the love that they have shown me has been out of the charts. And I appreciate it. I only have one little regret, and that is that my only wife for 41 years is not here with me. She is in Nigeria over the death of her mother that stayed strong for 93 years. 93 years. I'm so glad to be here. And thank you for coming. Let me say one other thing. Yesterday, we had an exciting, exciting meeting. It was the inauguration of our new grace group, yes. dedicated just for the married. And we named that grace group Marriage 247. <laughs> if I said 247, you, knew, you know what that means? All day and all night. We don't take a break from it. And what are we not taking a break from? I want to commit my whole effort, my whole energy 
into looking after the wife that God has given me. It's a great responsibility and one that I love so dearly. If I do that and she does exactly the same thing, marriage will no more be a drag. Oh, another one year. It will be fun and enjoyment. I'm bringing you good news. We recorded that meeting, very brief, but make some effort to watch it on our website. The inaugural meeting of Marriage 247. If your marriage is going superb, please, we need you. If there are issues you are praying to God for to help find an answer to in your marriage life, you're not alone. Many times we think that, oh, nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm the only one going through this, and so on and so on. That is not really the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There is no experience you are going through that is unique in your marriage. In 41 years, we've all seen it before. So what is the purpose? We come together, and iron will sharpen iron, you will have prayer support. You will have the counseling of mature men and women. Whatever it takes, we are an army together. We don't leave anyone behind. Amen? Amen. Oh boy, I have many things to go through, and I'm going to jump right in. Just because I see some new faces, my name is D. As long as you know your ABC, <laughs> you will remember the name D. But that name is not important. What is important this morning is the word that God has put in our hearts for this day. After two days, return to Jerusalem. And I see many people here in the audience. I also imagine that there are many more out there online. You are in for something remarkable this morning. I am so excited. I'm trying to control myself here. I don't know if you feel the vibe. (laughs) So return to Jerusalem. In the days that Jesus ministered physically on earth, Jerusalem must have been the center of the universe. Can you imagine the news of the day, breaking news? Or somebody will say, you remember that paralyzed man that was by the poolside for 38 years? They said, what happened? Jesus just told him to pick up his mat and walk. He didn't even touch him. He didn't give him any medicine. He didn't even pray for him. He just told him, get up, take up your mat and walk. And you know, the man just got up and walked. Another day it was, you remember that woman, nobody wanted to get close to her. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. What happened? She only just touched the hem of the garment. Jesus didn't even speak to her and she was healed. Many things were happening every, every single day. I haven't been in a presidential motorcade before. And I don't think you have either. So we are all in the same boat. Those guys that ride with the president, sometimes they feel like they are the president themselves. No matter who you are, 
You can't stop them to give them a speeding ticket. They are invincible. They are on top of the world. They can do practically anything they want. If you intercept them, they say, you know who I am? So these disciples that followed Jesus closely must have felt like they were in the presidential motorcade. Anything they needed, as long as Jesus was there, they were all right. Whether you were a Pharisee or you were a Sadducee, Jesus gave them maximum air cover. They were untouchable. And they must have walked with their shoulders high. Until one Friday, this icon of the leader they all looked up to simply gave himself to ordinary men. And the disciples must have been waiting for him to pull this new miracle that nobody has seen before. Or to just signal and a myriad of angels will come down and scorch the earth. But Jesus willingly gave himself. They mocked at him. They tortured him. They pulled his beers out. Finally, they crucified him on the cross. And there are so many ways of dying, right? They said these guys that designed the crucifixion ought to get a Nobel Prize in wickedness. It was not a, a simple form of death to be crucified on the cross. If you want to understand what I mean, just raise your hand like this and hold something for just a little longer. After some time, the hands are weak. You can't support them anymore. What if the only support you have was a nail pierced through your ankles? That was a wicked form of death. So they still waited. Maybe it's not too late for Jesus to pull this new trick. At the end of that Friday, at the end of that Friday, am I better? Click this way. Is it better? We are all good. We are all cooking on gas now. Hang in there. I hope I haven't lost anybody. At the end of that Friday, they quietly watched as they buried him in a borrowed tomb. They silently watched as the soldiers blocked that tomb and put a seal on it. If you want your own crucifixion, go tamper with this tomb. So the disciples that were walking with their head high, it was as if air was deflected from their balloon. They immediately went into a state of fear and confusion and hiding. If they could do this to their master, what can they not do to ordinary followers? All right, our message today is really just centered on Luke 24. Please give me verses 1 to 3 in New King James. Luke starts this chapter. He says, now, on the first day of the week, and that first day of the week is Sunday morning. He says, very early in the morning on that Sunday, and, and let's just pause there. What makes this Sunday very unique? 
This was the Sunday following that sad Friday. This was the Sunday that God was going to put a final finishing touch on the powers of darkness. I'm going to really talk. Give me a bottle of water, somebody. This Sunday was the day that there was going to be a showdown like never before on the powers of darkness. Thank you, sir. A cup of water from a bishop, that's... So, everywhere Jesus went, he talked about the third day, the third day, if you do this, on the third day, I will rise again. He was almost making a song out of it on the third day. This was that day, early in the morning, that Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Certain women, God bless them, they went to the tomb. Scripture says they had some spices and some concoction they had put together. And the single purpose of that concoction they put together was to embalm the dead. Are you with me? That particular group of spices they took put together, you don't put them on the living. They are some kind of anointing or something you put as a final ceremony on the dead, kind of rub it, I don't know if they tied it or they poured it or whatever, but specifically on the dead person. So what does this mean, brethren? It means that on the third day, following that Friday, these women, again, God bless them, they were expecting that Jesus was still dead and lying where they placed him on the Friday. And that's why they took the spices to do what? To put on the dead body. But how many times did Jesus himself say, on the third day, I'm going to rise again, so should they still be going there to embalm the body on the Sunday morning when he said he was going to be alive like never before? There are many things as Christians, we hear them multiple times. We fill our heads with that knowledge. We can recite half of the Old Testament of heart. We know it. But how many times do those things influence our day-to-day judgment or activity? We are very, very familiar with the Christian language. When we are in a setting like this, we can speak to one another in psalms and hymns till 6 p.m. Actually, there was a prisoner here, wasn't there? They said they only spoke in verses of the scripture. The, the prison wardens did not know what those verses were, so they were just talking to one another, quoting scripture, one another. 
I'm coming soon. I will not leave you all. And they knew what those verses were, but the prisoner, the wardens had no clue. I'm saying we can talk to one another in hymns and spiritual songs and sing the verses inside out, upside down, but Mary and her group still went to the tomb with spices to anoint a dead body on the third day following Friday crucifixion. They showed great dedication. But should they have been planning the anointing of a dead body on the third day? And Jesus made a song and a dance of the third day. Were they expecting something to happen that Sunday morning, or were they just going to perform a ceremony on a dead body? If you put together all the tips and pieces of information they got, that was enough to remind them, even if they forgot. And we all do forget. One, when they got there, the tomb was open. The stone had been rolled away. There is a, 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 a verse that says an angel sat on it. And that is a victory position. You roll that in a way, you put your leg on it. Let me see the Roman soldier that will come and put it back. <laughs> Another evidence, those women were really brave. There are some people that won't come near a dead body, not to talk of entering inside the tomb. They went inside, actually, and God himself had placed two angels there. If anybody comes here, just explain to them what is going on. And the angels told them, women, you are looking for the living guy in the place where dead people stay. He is risen, he is not here. You are in the wrong place. Remember that was the third day. All these things would have put some crossing on the tear and some dust on the eye. The tomb is open, his body is not here. He must have risen. I am talking from high inside because I know how this story went in the scriptures, but you can be so focused on something, you won't be able to put any other bits and pieces together. All that you are focusing on, they killed him and buried him on Friday, so today is Sunday, he must still be where they laid him. Are you with me, brethren? Praise God. I'm moving on. So, next thing. Women, God bless you. Explain something to the woman in the right language, in the good atmosphere. She is on board. Women really are not that complicated. Sometimes we men make them to revolt and become aggressive and the angel just told the woman, you are in the wrong place. The man you're looking for is alive. The woman just simply took that message from the angel and went back to their camp and said, gentlemen, we met an angel and he told us that Jesus is no more amongst the dead. 
And what did the men say? This sounds like fable. And in the verse ahead, they said, this sounds like nonsense. These are disciples that were with Jesus for many years. And the witness of the angels had come to them. They would have burst out in heavenly hallelujah and rejoice what God has promised he has performed. But they said, this is old woman's fable. It is possible to hear and know something and not allow it to govern your life. It is possible to fill our heads with knowledge, but when it comes to using that knowledge for decision-making in wisdom, it's almost like we live a completely parallel life. One road is on this side, one road is on the other side, and they will never meet. I've come here this morning to remind us that the Word of God it's not just to be memorized. It's a blessing if you memorize it. But when you take a step, and they say in all this wealth of knowledge everywhere, that we all take, I don't know how many millions of decisions we make every day. The Word of God should influence those decisions we take every day. Otherwise, we have built two kingdoms, and one is running entirely on what is in our head, while the Word of God stays in a silo somewhere. I'm going to proceed, just so we are at where we need to be. Okay, there were two particular men. These men were one of the disciples, not one of the twelve, but they were closely following Jesus Christ on earth. And in those days, you did not practice Christianity by, you gave up everything. Many times you left your family, you left whatever job you were doing, you followed this guy, your relatives will ask you, what are you doing now? He said, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. There was no pay. You did not know where you will sleep. You did not bother about a, your bank account. They followed. So this man, remember I said at the beginning, Jerusalem was the center of the universe. But this man, after following for so long, I don't know who convinced the other, they decided they were going to leave Jerusalem to go to a, city, a village called Emmaus. In the Bible, it says, Jerusalem city, Emmaus village. I checked the scripture. There was not one single miracle that was reported to have been done in Emmaus. You know how the Bible says, Paul of Tarsus, the Syrophoenician woman, many times they associate you with your hometown. There was nobody I saw in scripture that was titles of Emmaus. 
So Emmaus must have been a little unknown small village. There was nothing particular about that place at all. And they weren't going there for evangelism, in case you want to know. So, let me speak to somebody who is on his way to Emmaus now. Many times, Excuse me. Yeah, many times we're actually disappointed, right? We're confused. This man has said something. They said, we had hoped. on your way to Emmaus, it may be because you hoped in something. You put your entire trust in the Lord. You have never been part of anything great before now. But on that Friday, that whole hope cries to the ground. Maybe you came to the United States that this was going to be the answer, not just for you, but for your entire household, even your entire village. But on getting here, your language is now, I had hoped that this will work, but it hasn't worked the way you hoped it. This man, I don't know what they did before, but they came to the Lord hoping that he will be the one that will deliver Israel and that they will be a part of something phenomenal. But they saw on Friday that this one that they put all their trust in had been crucified and buried in a borrowed tomb. I don't know the cause of your disappointment. I don't know what it is that has caused you to move from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And when a man loses hope, you need a savior. Take away everything from a man, but leave him with hope. There is still a door open. But when hope is gone, even something solid to hold on, you will not have the strength to grab onto it, to hold onto it. Jesus had just risen. It was the third day. It was the first day of the week. I am sure he had many things to do that day. But one of them, top on the list, was to go after these two men on the way to Emmaus. As they were going on the way to Emmaus, their head was down. And they talked between themselves. Jesus is 
a very interesting person. He was eavesdropping on their conversation. Remember, they were the people he came out for. Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem. Jesus tracked them and monitored them and followed them. I want to reassure you this morning that you on the way to Emmaus, look to the left and to the right, Jesus is there with you. And the reason I know this is that he promised with an oath that he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Even in your depression, even if your marriage is not going the way it's supposed to, even if your career, even if your family, anything it might be that is causing you to go from Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus is right there with you. Amen. Forget this note, let me speak to you. Jesus at a point asked them, gentlemen, what manner of conversation is this you are having between yourselves? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I remember when I first came to United States, I had absolutely no knowledge what the Super Bowl was about. <laughs> Forgive me if I told you this before. So where I walked, it was a very passionate conversation. In fact, it was heated sometimes. Everybody had their opinion on who will win that Super Bowl. If you are foolish and ignorant and you keep your mouth shut, nobody will know. <laughs> it is the moment you open your mouth that they will know you're foolish. So being a smart man, I just zipped my mouth. I did not engage in that conversation. Not that I didn't want to. I had no clue whether Super Bowl was football or volleyball or basketball. I didn't know, honestly. I would have gotten away with it and somebody just said, D, what do you think? If you knew a little, you can just say something really high level and just generalize everything and mix it with too many words and hope to get away. I did not know where to begin, so I told them the truth. Say, gentlemen, I don't really know anything about football or Super Bowl. They looked at me with a tone of voice. The people said, I mean, they all stepped back and they must have said, what kind of a man is this? that does not know anything about the Super Bowl. So Jesus asked these guys, what is this kind of conversation you all are having? They must have looked at him the way those guys looked at me. And they asked him, what planet have you come from? Are, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that does not know what had just happened? This for <laughs> And Jesus was just playing along with them. Jesus said, what, what, what just happened? I'm sure they said, let's try and help this man. His ignorance is too much. Let's just educate him. And they went on a run. There was this good man, really, really good man. 
They took him and they gave him a mockery of a trial. At the end, they crucified him. But he was a good man and they went on and on and on. And Jesus was still prompting them. And then what? And what happened after that? And the guys kept going. Everything they talked about was what happened on Friday. You can get stuck on one gear and not move from that gear. They talked about all the sad things that Jesus willingly took on our behalf. But Jesus did not end it all on a Friday. Come on now. This was Sunday morning when they were telling him about this. So for you, if unfortunately life has dealt you a real blow and you are on your way to Emmaus and all the stories are things that have gone the wrong way these past few years, this is the first day of a new week. As Jesus talked to them, they had worked for a long time. How long is Jesus willing to stay with you till that problem is solved? But you know, Jesus said, the Bible says, their eyes were closed that they did not know he was there, that he was Jesus. You may not have seen that beside you is the risen Jesus Christ. It's my time up. Anytime I see Pastor Lee, move. (laughs) Jesus is right on your side. The only problem, they did not lift their head up. But they insisted he must have dinner with them because Jesus has stayed with them and it was getting to night time. Jesus was still working on them. He wasn't done yet. So he stayed with them for dinner. Scripture says he broke the bread and blessed it. And he must have done it in a very particular way And they knew. Thank God they knew at that point. It was night time now, it was evening. And they had walked for seven miles, talking only about Friday. But when they knew that it was Jesus Christ, the scripture says, at that very moment, that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. What made the difference? Jesus is alive. 
There are some folks online under the sound of my voice. Maybe you have not really appreciated the full impact of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. If by God's grace the Holy Spirit is prompting you in, our, in your heart that gentlemen, lady, Jesus is no more dead. He is alive. I want you to test the word, reason. Pastor, I believe there's a place people can test back to us. Test the word, reason. Just so we know you are appreciating the fact that he is no longer dead. And for us in the auditorium, you know, many times when we want to do, I'm not going to raise my hand just so they don't think I'm just becoming a Christian now. I am raising my hand that the power of the resurrection of our Savior will turn my life around at that same hour, the men that were disappointed, disgruntled, they were hopeless, there was nothing they could see that was beneficial in any way, when they saw the risen Jesus Christ, they said, I am returning this same hour to Jerusalem. I have a few minutes. Let me round up with this thought. Jerusalem was a physical place. But it was a place that Jesus was going around his ministry, touching lives, changing lives, healing the sick, saving the, the forsaken, and encouraging and giving new hope to people. I'm inviting you this morning. Return to Jerusalem. Jesus is risen. There are many things that have bombarded us up and down, left and right, and have caused us to withdraw from the brethren, to separate from the larger group in Jerusalem, and just single out themselves, going back to a village that has nothing going on in it. Return to your Jerusalem. At that same hour, early in the morning on Sunday, the power of the resurrection of our Savior does not turn you around, there is a serious problem. We are not done with this. Please join me on Friday evening for a continuation of this. We want to see how can we ride this new victory. By the way, in closing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in my opinion, is the biggest demonstration of God's awesome power. It is the one event that crushed the power of the kingdom of darkness to a point it will never recover. What if this power of resurrection dwells in each and every one of us? What a difference our lives will be. Thank you, God, for you are alive in our midst. 